Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. You remember when you were a kid? Good times, fun times. That, I know that that little commercial for Red Pop dates me, but I remember it uh, when I was growing up, and I don't think I really appreciated it much then because I was still just a kid. But now I, 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 whenever I hear it, and I don't really hear it that often, it just brings back memories Memories, And can you think of a good moment in your own childhood? Even if you had a difficult time, even if you had a bad parent, do you have one memory that you could look to, maybe of adventure? Things like, this song talks to roller skating, climbing trees, uh, maybe a pony ride. Just the simplicity of being a child. The lyrics of that song, it it speaks to the simplicity of childhood. Tricycles, rubber bands. Right, John? See, don't fall asleep today. Rubber bands, when you were a kid, rubber band fights, snowball fights, climbing through a window. Remember when you were a kid, is part of you still got that, that child in you a little bit. Someone once gave me a, a Christmas gift and said this is a reminder that Jesus said, be like a child. So I, I did get a yo-yo. There, there was a yo-yo in that. And it wasn't this yo-yo because I took that yo-yo and I'd walk around my office sometimes. And I told you last week, sometimes I just walk and I pray and I talk to the Lord. So I would walk with that yo-yo and if I was just thinking, Lord, what do you want me to have to say to your people today? And I, I, I wore that yo-yo out one day. I just, I threw it down like this and it, the string broke and it just shattered. So... My good wife, Julie, bought me this young Duncan thing that lights up because sometimes it's, it's therapeutic. And that, that same person gave me a Pez dispenser, so it's a little reindeer Pez dispenser. So it, in this note that just said, Jesus said, be like a kid. And he's got something to say about that. Jesus does have something to say about that. And I want to make some application from the words of Jesus today about being a kid. Remember when you were a kid. And now open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. If you have a a Bible or a device, uh, get to the start of Matthew 18.
I'm going to read the first four verses. It says, at this time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And that was verse five. I read through verse five. The disciples came to Jesus with a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest? It seems that these disciples had a chronic condition, a fixation on who's the greatest. And it's a chronic human condition. Ego. This, this longing to be considered the greatest. And there's several occasions in the Gospels that describe to us these disciples of Jesus, this group, the closest group, that were called the Twelve. And they argued amongst themselves about who was the greatest. There's three incidents in the Gospels that record distinct times when these 12 were fighting about this. Luke chapter 9 and Mark chapter 9 records this first argument where they got into it about who's the best. Matthew 20 and Mark 10 is the second fight that broke out about among who is the greatest. And in that incident, there were these two followers of Jesus, two of the 12, James and John. They were called the sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. Think about, you know, sons of thunder, they must be pretty tough guys. Their mother came to Jesus. And she knelt down before Jesus with her sons, these sons of thunder. And she asked Jesus, oh, could my one son be on your right and the other be on your left in glory. And what occurred was the other 10 started bickering about this. Who's, well, you know, they were indignant. How can these guys think that? And then the third, the third bout of bickering was on the very last night before Jesus was crucified at the Last Supper. Luke's gospel records it. And Luke wrote, a dispute rose among them about who was the greatest. On these occasions, Jesus took time to talk to these disciples of his. He used images on one, uh, at one of those arguments, and I think it was the first one, he said, consider the kings of the Gentiles. So he used an image, an image they'd know. They were under Roman oppression. Consider the kings of the Gentiles. They lord it over people and they love it. Don't be like that. They, they wield their power. Don't be like that. On another occasion, he said, the one who is the least, that is the one that's the greatest. When the sons of thunder came with their mother, Jesus said, the greatest must become a servant. If you're going to be the greatest, if you want to be the first, he said, you must become a slave. Now, there's an image to think about. 
There's an image to ponder. Become a slave. That today as we consider the opening of Matthew chapter 18, we don't have a fight recorded before that, that these 12 were arguing about who was the greatest or who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven or can I be on your right, can my brother be on your left? But it's not really too hard to imagine that they may have been bickering about who was the best. We don't have just one or two. We have three distinct times where that was the case. Well, to make his point on this occasion where they asked, who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus calls a little child. And he puts the little child right there in the, in the center of them all. And he said, unless you change, unless you change and become like this little child, or you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's some powerful implications in this statement of Jesus. These were followers of Jesus Christ. And there's an implication here that they are not on their way to the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change, Jesus said. Stop the focus on ego. Stop being concerned about who's the greatest. You need to change, Jesus said. And he's talking to followers. I mentioned last Sunday that some people fear change. They don't want to change. They don't want to change to follow Jesus. They love their life and want to keep it the way that it is. There's some perception that changing to follow Jesus is going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. Is it some awful, repulsive request here of Jesus to change? Is that his demand? No, he said, unless you change and become like little children. Well, that doesn't sound all that bad, does it? Rubber bands and snowball fights. Just think about it for a moment. Jesus was speaking to his own disciples and he said, unless you change, you who have been following me, and you become like these little children. Now, we might consider ourselves followers of Jesus. Have we changed? Have we changed? Are we in need of change? Jesus said this is a required change. There's some sobering words here. Unless you change, you will never. That's an absolute term. It's not like, well, some of you are going to make it if you don't do this. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, you read that and it's just stop. Put a full stop right there and think about it. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you make this change. Okay, so what change is needed? What change is needed? What might Jesus be getting at? Is he saying just be childish? Just goof off? Be a kid? No. No, that's not what he's saying. A few weeks ago, we talked about being a child spiritually. Commented on the scripture from the letter to the Hebrews 
that said you should all be teachers by now, but you're in need of milk. You're, you're continuing to be infants. That's what the writer was saying to, the, to his original audience. You haven't grown up. You haven't matured spiritually. And you need to get beyond the basics of just milk. Get beyond the basics. Grow in your faith. So when Jesus said, become like little children, was he telling the disciples, just be spiritually immature, never grow up? No, that's not what he was saying. Neither was he telling them just to behave childishly. When Paul wrote his letter to the church in Corinth, his first letter, he said, when I was a child, I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the things of Childhood. He put childhood behind him. Jesus is not commanding his followers just to be childish. So what did he mean? What, what's Jesus getting at when he said, you need to change, you need to become like a little child? What, what's the heart of it? Well, what's the heart of a child? What's the heart of a child toward their parent? And a good parent. Not an abusive parent, not a bad parent. Jesus isn't saying... Let's consider the poor examples. What is the heart of a child toward a, a good and loving parent? What is the heart of a child toward others? And in general, I realize and I know that every single person is different. We're all different. But in general, what's the heart of a child toward a good and toward others that Jesus, that Jesus would invite us, that he'd have us, that he'd really require us to emulate. Let's have that heart before the Lord. Well, some put it this way. Have the faith of a child or have kid faith. But what does that look like? What does that look like? How might we have the heart of a of little children before our Lord. Well, remember when you were a kid. And let's consider some of the traits, some of the characteristics. Let's consider in what respects we must change and become like little children. And I have a list. It's not a comprehensive list. I'm sure that if you meditate on this section of Scripture, you might come up with others. And that's a great thing. You might come up with other attributes, characteristics of a heart of a child before the Lord. But I have some that I want to share with you. I have these traits of a child to consider this morning, and let's apply them. One, be dependent. Little children are completely dependent on their parents or their guardians for everything, for all that's provided to them what they eat, what they wear, where they play, where they sleep. It's all given to them. It comes from no effort of their own. They're not working for it. Now, sure, some children might say, well, gee, mom, dad, could I have some more to eat? Could I, uh, can I play outside? They look to that parent or that guardian to say, Yes, and to provide. But as adults, we love our independence, don't we? To be dependent is to be looked down upon. 
The dependence is looked at as a failure, a limitation. It's a weakness even. But Jesus, Jesus wants us to openly, without shame, to be dependent on him. He once gave another image. He gave an image of a vine and a branch. The branch in the image is wholly dependent on the vine. Without the vine, the branch is nothing. The branch must have the vine, and it's completely dependent on the vine. And in this image that Jesus painted, he said, apart from me, you can do everything, right? No, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. He's calling us to be 100% dependent on him. Are you independent of Jesus? Or have you changed and become fully dependent on him? Next, be teachable. Little children are curious. They check things out. They ask questions. Every day involves learning. They see new things. They're soaking things up. And sure, sometimes they need the same lesson repeated, of course. They need that same lesson once, twice, three times or more for it to sink in. But they learn and they're inquisitive. They grow, they advance. They're receptive to new things and to what they're being taught. Adults, we might claim that we're on a quest to learn, but often it's with a pretext. It's with an agenda to prove something. In his second letter to Timothy, Paul wrote, there are some who are always learning, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. Why might that be? They have an agenda. Paul described these who are ever learning but not gaining the knowledge of the truth. He described them as depraved. He said, they're, as far as their faith is concerned, they've been rejected. Ever learning, not taking in any truth. Sometimes we come before the Lord even with an agenda because we got it all figured out. We have the plan. We know what's best. Lord, hey, could you do this and this and this and this? It'll all be better. I got this figured out. I got the solution. We know what's best for ourselves. We know what's best for the country. We know that, hey, all of us have the solution for the pandemic. We have the answer for every cultural issue. But have we ever stopped to just ask, Lord, is there something you're trying to teach me here? Maybe it's, maybe it's patience. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Maybe it's forbearance. I'm not really patient with others. Maybe it's compassion. Maybe it's something totally different. But are we willing to be taught? Are we willing to lay down our agenda? Are we willing to say, uh, uh, I'm not going to be ever learning without gaining the knowledge of the truth? Are we willing to be taught 
as the Lord would teach us and instruct us? Have you changed and become teachable with the heart of a child that would receive instruction? And are you trusting? Be trusting. Jesus once spoke to fathers about their sons. We heard a message on this a couple of months ago. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, he'll give him a scorpion. The son trusts the father. The son trusts the father to respond with care and with compassion. When a parent reaches down to take the hand of a little child, that child just holds on, holds on. And, and the parent leads, the parent guides. And the child stays safe on the path. But as adults, we just don't really like that. We can be skeptical and cynical and unwilling to trust, unwilling to trust the Lord, unwilling to put our hand up and say, Lord, take my hand, please. I trust you. I trust where you're going. I trust where you're going to lead me. Trust in the Lord with all my heart? Mm, no, no. No, what's the attitude often? No, 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 no. I'm going to, I've got it figured out. I'm going to lean on my own understanding. I've got this. But the Lord is inviting us, asking us, requiring us to trust in him wholly and completely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. He'll set your path. He'll set your path. He'll direct your path. Have you changed and put your full and complete trust in him? And then are you fearless? And when I say fearless, I don't mean reckless, not in the sense of recklessness or foolishness, but fearlessness that's related to trust. Can you be fearless because of who you trust? Have you ever observed a child standing on the edge of a pool and there's a parent in the water and they just jump in because they have this trust and they know and they're assured mom or dad is going to catch me and I'm not going to go under the water. Come on, jump in. Yes, they just jump right in. And then if something does threaten danger... Maybe it's the middle of the night and there's a, there's a thunderstorm and that great clap of thunder. What's a child who's suddenly gripped with fear, that fear rushes in? What do they do? They run. They get up. I remember my own kids getting out of bed, running. Safe in the arm of a parent then. All the fears washed away. The fears alleviated. When we're faced with the trials of life. Does fear overwhelm? Wars abroad. There's, there's wars. All, and, and continue to pray. Continue to pray for those who are in Afghanistan and our fellow countrymen who cannot get out or are waiting to get out. We prayed for that on Wednesday night. 
at our prayer walk, and we'll continue to do that. But do these kinds of things, do they, do they bring in fear? There's all these culture wars too here, right here in our own communities. Are they eliciting fear? There's this continued global plague, this pandemic, this invisible virus. It's continued to disrupt life. Is it causing fear? We have got the greatest parent, our heavenly father, who says, fear not, fear not. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and I'll help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the word of the Lord. When a a test comes, a trial comes, are we leaping into the hands of our heavenly father? He's able. He's able to uphold us. He's able to wash away a hall of fear. Have you changed and become fearless like a little child? And now be accepting. And, and what I mean here is be accepting of others. What I don't mean is approve sin. What I don't mean when I say be accepting is to approve or condone unrighteousness. But to be open, be accepting of others. So that you can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share what you have and what you know about eternity. Children are very accepting. I, I saw this just a little while ago. Julie and I uh, went to a park where we, there was a pier that went out on Lake Huron. And so from the parking lot of that park, you could begin to walk this pier. And it it began to be elevated over the beach and then the water. And just as we were coming to the water where it met the beach and we're up maybe 10 feet or so, I saw this little girl. And she was talking with who I presumed was her mother. And I couldn't hear what she was saying. But suddenly... She was just overjoyed. She was jumping and she's shouting and running down the beach and she's yelling, she said yes! And apparently, this little girl who might have been five years old, maybe, she was asking permission to play with another little girl that was standing 50, 60 feet down the beach this was not two families that knew each other. They, I don't think they had ever met. But this little girl came running down the beach. And the other little girl, who was younger, I would say, by at least a year or two, didn't look anything like the first little girl. But it didn't seem that that mattered at all. It was just one kid who wanted to play with another kid and was completely overjoyed. They danced in the water. They, they started uh, using their uh, sand toys. And it was just a moment where it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Two little kids. They don't look e like each other. They, they're, they're opposites in many respects. 
And there they are, having such a great time. How often do we behave like that? How often do adults do that? How often do we dance with joy when somebody who might look different than us and sound different than us wants to just talk to us? How's the gospel going to propagate if we're not open to interact with other people and different people? One time Jesus was with a crowd of people, big crowd of people. And he was open. He was welcoming to a man called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, a known sinner. And all the people muttered, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner because Jesus was going to have dinner with this man. Did Jesus condone his sin? No. He was there to persuade Zacchaeus to turn from his life of sin. And how was that going to happen if Jesus just walked by him and said, I'm not going to talk to that guy. He's different. He's a sinner. If he had ignored the man, he'd just be left to continue his life in sin. But Jesus didn't refuse to talk to him. Jesus went to speak to the known sinner accused of carousing with sinners. But because of his openness and the fact that he interacted with them, Zacchaeus was saved. The man was born again. He repented. He turned his life around. And Jesus declared, salvation's come to this home, for I've come to seek and save the lost. Jesus was welcoming. He said, even welcome little children. We read that in Matthew 18. Welcome little children. And if you welcome one of these little children, you welcome me. Have you changed? Have you changed? And are you accepting and welcome others just like a little child does? Another characteristic, be anticipating. Kids look forward. They anticipate what's to come. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait till we go on vacation. I can't wait till I can ride a bike. I can't wait until I can drive a car. I can't wait to go to college. They're just looking forward. What do we do when we get older? We look back. We're looking back with this yearning. Oh, I wish I were young again. Oh, to be young again. We're not anticipating. Instead, we're, we're trying to hold on to the youth that we're leaving behind. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be forward-looking, anticipatory, looking forward to eternity beyond this life. Let's run the race with perseverance, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God. Look forward, look forward. Set your minds on those things. Not, not longing for the things that we're leaving behind. Well, Paul wrote to Timothy, we brought nothing into this world and we're gonna take nothing out of it. Look forward to the life beyond this world. 
look forward to eternity, eternal life with the anticipation of a child. You know, some look back on the past nostalgically. You know, sometimes it's, it's kind of a warm and fuzzy feeling to look back, but we can't go back there. It's a nice memory. We need to move forward. Others look back with bitterness because life in the past was so terrible. Don't look back with bitterness. It's hard to find a little kid. It's hard to find a toddler. Well, two little kids on the beach where they're just fretting about life's past experiences. We heard at the opening, Pastor Noah, he brought us this word from Paul to the Philippians. Paul counted all the past as what? It's rubbish. When it comes to Christ and when it comes to eternal life, he's like, that is meaningless. He went on when he wrote to that church in Philippi, and he said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I'm straining forward. I'm straining toward what is ahead. Your past, no matter how difficult it was, no matter how abused or mistreated you were, your past, no matter how deep in depravity and sin you lived, your past does not define who you are today in Jesus Christ. It doesn't. Your past does not define who you are today in Jesus Christ. It doesn't. A little child's not focusing on the past. They're not living those days gone by. Look forward, press on heavenward, heavenward toward the prize, the reward to which God's called you in Jesus Christ. Have you changed? Have you changed? And are you anticipating like a little child? Eternity. Jesus went on and he said, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be the greatest, take the lowly position of the child. And I know we could say be humble, but more so than that, take that lowly position, a child who's dependent, teachable, trusting without any fear, accepting of others, looking forward. A child that's not driven by ego, not on a quest to be the greatest, maybe just on a quest to welcome someone new. Are you followers of Jesus? Followers of Jesus, followers of Christ, have you changed? Or could you improve on some of these areas? I'll raise both hands and say that I can. I know that I can. I know I could be more dependent. There's some times when I got it all figured out. I know there are times where I could be more trusting, more teachable. There are definitely times I could be more accepting. There are times where I could be looking forward more. We've got these egos, these hearts that They want to be better than others. Man, let's, let's be like Jesus said. 
I don't want to be lost. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be one that's never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you? Let's take the word of Christ Jesus to heart this morning. Let's stand as we go and let's pray. And if you, if any of this or something else, if you're thinking of the heart of a child and you can, you, you can come up with other things, man, I'm just, I don't have that attitude that Jesus wants us to emulate. So it's a great image there. And, and I know we could all come up with maybe a different way to look at it. What's he asking you to emulate? emulate? And, and have, you, have you been doing it? If, if, you need to, if you need to pray about it, pray about it. Get before God. Say, Lord, I definitely need to change in that area. To be like that little child. Maybe even just to welcome a little child. And these altars are open if you want to pray if you want to kneel down you want to put something before God say I got got to lay this down I want to leave it here today so that I can leave here differently I want to leave here changed unless you change unless you change it's not a bad change it really isn't it's a good change have that heart of a child that attitude of a child let's pray and as I pray, if, if you'd like to come down here and pray, feel free. Please feel free. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word of truth. I thank you for being so kind. There's so many of us who, would, who, who could be like those 12. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that other one. I am the greatest. We can have that attitude. And God, I pray, I pray, Lord, we could lay that aside, push that down, and not be on a quest to be the, the greatest in your kingdom by showing all that we've got, but by being the greatest, emulating what you've asked us to be dependent, teachable, and trusting, and fearless, and anticipating being with you in the future and wanting it to share that with others. God, pour that desire into us like a little child that would just run over to another little kid and say, I got something to tell you. God, I pray that you would bless us all with that. Lord, if there's any of us here struggling with one of these or even a different point that's come to mind and we need to put it aside, God, I pray and I pray over these these altars, God. I just ask your grace, God that you'd help us to change, change by the power of your Holy Spirit. We're hanging on to the past. We're defined by our past, whatever it is that we're in you, Jesus Christ, wanting and desiring to be like you and leaving here like that. God bless everyone in this room, everyone who's connected online. Have the heart of change, God for you and for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless your people as they go. Bless them, God. Carry them. Guide them. For every hand 
Lord, that's reaching up and saying, lead me and guide me. I acknowledge you. God, direct their path. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. It's in the name of our Lord, our great Savior, Jesus Christ, that we ask these things. Amen. Amen.